This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. One-timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! And everything from the state of hockey. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. To episode number 64, the Healthy Scratch interview segment. Noah Grant joined alongside my co-host Nick Maxson and a couple of fellas getting ready to join us here in just a few moments. Nick, uh, who were our guests this week? And more importantly, uh, what did you enjoy about this uh, slightly lengthy but very in-depth and very entertaining discussion with these two fellas? So we have Derek Felkska, who we've had on the broadcast before, and Pat Micheletti as well. Um, you know, both of them very knowledgeable hockey guys. Uh, again, Pat, former player, uh, as again, Jim Rich would say, former All-American. Uh, Derek Felkska, just, you know, incredible hockey mind, hockey blogger. Um, I'm surprised he doesn't get paid to write for somebody else, honestly. I think he's that talented. Um but to try to dissect a little bit of the Minnesota Wild, uh, their season, their offseason, uh, maybe some of the big question marks. Uh, and I think just overall, my favorite part of this conversation is just talking positively about the Minnesota Wild in an offseason. Yes. And, and again, we'll, we'll talk a little. Obviously, we'll let the interview play itself. But I think it's it's got a different feel this year. And we'll touch on this, too, Noah. But, you know, for, for this team. We're looking at a you know a team that you know only took uh, seven you know seven games in the playoffs, but they were hard fought. Uh, they were hard fought against one of the best teams in the entire league, uh, a team that might go all the way to the Stanley Cup final if not win the Stanley Cup. And it seems like there's some more optimism um, surrounding this team, even though it was an early exit out of the postseason. And, and again, it was just fun to talk about the kind of the what ifs, maybe some of the changes that they might make. And uh, these two have got some great insight on that uh, here at the NHL level with this squad. Yeah, it was a very intriguing discussion. The one thing I will point out, occasionally you might hear a little bit of audio pops or that sort of thing. Sometimes we, uh, with the with the Zoom calls, sometimes you never know uh, where the status is of the network sometimes. So if you hear a couple of those things, they aren't intentional. They're just uh, part of what they are, but it really did not detract at all. I didn't think from the discussion. I mean, it just two intellectual guys like you mentioned, and we won't keep you waiting. Pat Micheletti and Derek Felska. to episode number 64 here at the Hussies Warmer Hills podcast, the Healthy Scratch interview, and to discuss a little bit more in-depth with about the Minnesota Wild, their season, as well as a very important off-season, we have Derek Felksa from the Crease and Assist blog, and the former All-American, as Jim Rich likes to say, Pat Micheletti. Boys, thank you again for stopping by the show. How are we doing? Just great. It's great to be back with you guys. Uh, I, was, I was on with you once before. I had a great time, and I'm thrilled to be back. We paid him to say that, just so everybody knows. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Pat was actually, uh, fun fact for our listeners, Pat was the first ever guest we had on that was uh, on our YouTube page as a guest. So uh, congratulations to him. Episode number 22. Thank you. Thank you. So, And then uh, Derek, yes, making uh, his second appearance, I believe, coming back to us yeah. again. Derek, uh, a very prominent Minnesota Wild blogger. Uh, Derek, again, welcome back. Uh, <laughs> I, you laugh at yourself, but honestly, I think, you know, there's a really, a lot of good, really uh, insight that you provide to a lot of the folks that are out there, honestly. Well, I, I, I think I said from, well, shortly after I was on, I was, I was going to be the worst guest you had, and I can't believe I'm back. But still, I, I appreciate the plays. Um, it's all good, and uh, I, I'm humbled to be here with Pat and you guys. It's unbelievable, especially you guys. Hey, well, let, let me just say one thing about Derek, okay? I've never met oh. you. Nice to meet you, Derek. But Derek, Derek is um, one of the, the, the most thoughtful, truest individual um, 
to me and Brandon Molesky, my my radio partner, and uh, Beyond the Pod and all the other stuff that we do. And and uh, I mean, it, what a gentleman! And thank you. And I know Brandon thanks you. And uh, it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. Um, my my wife would say the same thing back to you guys both for all the things that you've done for years and listen to us uh, rant, whether it's on fan line or whatever, but I appreciate it immensely. And thanks so much for those words. You got it. So let's jump right into it, boys. Uh, Pat, we'll start with you. Uh, first of all, uh, hey. this was a, a Minnesota wild season that uh, had a lot of promise again, finally, after years of waiting, Kirill Kaprizov, Kirill the thrill finally jumped into the Minnesota wild fold and he did not disappoint. Not at all. Uh, you know, I, I got laughed at early in the year when I when I and it may have been a little early, but I looked at him and I said, this guy is a top 10 player in the league. And to this day, I believe that now you say, well, I can name off this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. And I'm like, well, you have a point. However, um, this one individual, in my opinion, has completely transformed this organizational thinking, the way they play the game, um, their competitiveness. Um, so there's a lot of ancillary stuff that I think this guy has brought to the table without even saying a word. And, uh, and you know, it's very rare that you um, get a superstar on your team, let alone two when you had Kevin Fiala. And so, um, you know, I, I just, I think he, he's just terrific. You know, it's interesting, too, to think about when you talk about superstars in the making, a lot of times you think about a team that gets, you know, a high-end draft pick, right? A, a Jack Eichel, a Connor McDavid, you know, a high-end round. This guy was a fifth rounder, and you yep. think about Kirill Kaprizov. And, Derek, I kind of want to ask you this. Uh, 51 points in 55 games for the rookie in Kaprizov, 27 goals on the season in the shortened campaign. Uh, the question mark now is, uh, what is the asking price for the Minnesota Wild? Uh, what are they willing to pay for this young stud? Do they go long-term for this guy? Do they bridge him on a deal? Uh, what's the answer for number 97 in the Minnesota Wild? Well, there's two different perspectives. The first one is, from the Wild's perspective, I believe they already offered him eight years, $8 million a season, uh, which is pretty much almost, I mean, it's the maximum of years that they can offer. The question is, is, what does what are his points? And while he doesn't have arbitration rights or a lot of leverage that way, the leverage he does have is exactly kind of what Pat was alluding to in the fact that he's a transformative player for this franchise. You know, he's turned them into uh, a team that people want to watch because they want to see what he's going to do next. And even though he may not have arbitration rights, I'm pretty sure that he could he could almost pick almost any dollar amount he wants and term. And I think the team would feel very, you know, very much compelled to try to match that or meet it. Um, and I think that's, that's unique. We haven't seen anything like that, especially for a guy, um, you know, who's making his, you know, after just one season, he's made that kind of impact on the team. Yeah. If I, if you guys don't mind, I'll, I'll chime in and, 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 Here's my thinking, and here here's what I think the team is thinking. I'm thinking they, they want to sign him to the max and to the max term. Now, if you ask me what the agent and the player are thinking, they're thinking, hmm, you know, a three-year deal is not too bad. I know how good I am. I know I can become a free agent. And that $8 million all of a sudden turns into $12 million. and And he will get the max. Uh, on his, on his next deal. He he's that good. And he believes he's that good. Um, so ultimately I think they settle on a five-year deal. I really do. I think, uh, I think that's fair for both sides at, at probably the, the, you know, uh, you know, name, name the dollar amount doesn't matter. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think they'll, they'll be somewhere in that range. I agree with you, Pat. Um, just a quick little chime in too. I think, 
uh, for the wild and, and especially with a flat cap. I think you're going to have to offer some type of incentive, such as signing bonuses a lot with what Tampa did with Steven Stamkos to try to give him the money up front. Uh, Minnesota offered both uh, Parise and Ryan Suter both $10 million signing bonuses too when they came into the fold. Uh, and now seems like an eternity ago, but really it wasn't that long ago. Um, but I think the next question is, Pat, is with that Kaprizov, you still have to sign Eric Sinek, who had quite the breakout season. You also have Kevin Fiala to sign, which means in the expansion draft upcoming, you're protecting all three of those players. You have no movement clauses that you are likely going to have to trade. That puts a guy like, say, Jordan Greenway possibly exposed. And we know with Vegas, they played their cards pretty well in terms of, you know, maybe not taking a player, but getting either young stock or draft picks in return. Uh, do you think Minnesota Wild is, is in a position to maybe do that kind of a deal with an extra first round pick this year coming in their way from the Pittsburgh deal? All right. Well, let's start at the top. Um, they, they know they're going to lose a player. They have to lose a player. Every team loses a player. Um, who is that player? Uh, we don't know. Uh, you know, what, what it's going to boil down to is that they're going to look at their roster and they're going to say, hmm, going forward, um, what is our best chance to win the cup? Can, can we win it with player X? Can we play it, uh, win it with player Y or player Z? And um, do we want them to be part of the fold? Um, now, you know, it, it's, it's going to be, I don't know how difficult it will be for them because I think they, you know, they're two steps ahead in thinking, all right, here's what we got on our current team. Here's what we have coming in. Here's who we might target. Um, so we could see a trade before that, which then may make it a moot point And they, you know, I don't want to name a player because I don't know. Um, but so I think there's a lot of factors that go in. And and listen, and one thing that I think everybody forgets, right? Just because, um, let, let's throw it out there. Matt Dumba is exposed. That doesn't mean that um, uh, Ron Francis is going to say, oh my gosh, I got to take Matt Dumba he may have four other defensemen that he's already targeted on other teams. And so, um, you know, you, you, you may throw him out there, but you may not, you know, he's, he still may be a part of your team. So, you know, we just don't know. Yeah. I, I think the, the one lesson that you definitely don't want to repeat and wild fans found this out all too well in the first round this year, you don't want another Eric Halla, um, you know, Alex talk situation. I think that, I think that's quite obvious. It's just, you really don't want to, you know, you, like we mentioned, every team's going to lose a player and you got to accept the fact that, you know, it might be Matt Dumba, it might be Jordan Greenway, it might be Marcus Foligno. Uh, my question to you guys, Derek, maybe as I flip it over to you, we know Zach Parisi, there's question marks about whether or not he'll waive his no movement clause, but you've got him, Matt Zuccarello, uh, Jared Spurgeon, Ryan Suter, right, guys that you have to protect. Of course, seven forwards, 3D and a goalie, and then eight skaters and a goalie if you choose to go that other route. Uh, are there a couple of guys uh, that you're looking on this roster that, that you say, yep, we're going to hang on to these guys. As you look at your list, uh, you know, what does that look like? Who are the guys that you're feeling? Maybe you, you want to hang on for sure. Well, I mean, apart from just obviously your, your star players, um, Fiala, you want to make sure you can protect him. Uh Personally, I think the other thing that comes down to a little bit is can you get Parisi or Suter who are less likely to be moved through the expansion draft to waive those clauses so you can protect those other people? Because if you can't, then you're only stuck with, what, three spots that you can protect because there's five no movement clauses on the team. That makes it pretty darn tough. Um and then the other person you may want to protect, I think, I mean, you're one of those ones, you're going to want to protect your goalie, you know, because if, if you let them take Cam Talbot at this point, I think then you find yourself in that conundrum that you had before when you had Evan Dubnik on the team. You, you have to secure that position. That's got to be priority for the stability of the franchise, at least in the short term. Um. I guess the other, sorry, kind of factor, kind of like what Pat was talking about with Matt Dumba, uh, you know, Seattle may also think, hey, the, the while they're in a position where maybe they're going to feel compelled to move him because of the cap space issues that they may be having, and they might think that they can get him via trade anyways. 
which might be more advantageous and plus take a player from us, you know, not, not just inducing us through like, you know, like a hollow tuck situation, like you're talking about, but we're kind of maybe in a position where we feel like we're maybe a little bit maxed out, at least in the salaries we're paying for our defensemen as it is. The only thing I'll say about Dumba um, in terms of what you just mentioned, I don't think Bill Guerin's going to trade Matt Dumba to Seattle. Okay. Unless, uh, and and I only say this, um, and I don't know the rules, so you guys please correct me because I'm always, yeah, I can be wrong. Um, But but listen, in the club, yeah. If if they're gonna (laughs) if they're gonna trade Matt Dumba, right? I think they're gonna try to get uh, um, a centerman in return. Okay, and um, whether they can make a deal, you know, there's got. Listen, when you're exposed, there's a reason why you're exposed, okay? Um, it's just plain and simple. Yeah, the player may be good, but you know what? You, you get exposed for a reason. Now, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Bill Guerin is going to call every team in the league and, and, and see what interest he has in Matt Dumba um, and if he can make a deal to try to get a centerman, maybe a package deal. Maybe it's after throwing a number one. I hope they don't. Um, but you know, whatever they, they know they need to shore up that area. And I think that is going to be a priority moreover than, you know, who are you going to lose? Pat, I agree with you. And in fact, uh, you're kind of leading me to my next question. That is the, you know, the, the so-called the Jack Eichel watch, which I'm not yeah. quite as high in the totem pole as say other fans might be. Um, I understand there's intrigue with Jack Eichel. I understand that there's some, maybe some question marks as to maybe his leadership off the ice, uh, but there's no question what he brings on the ice. He's a heck of a hockey player. He's a heck of a scoring center. And it's definitely probably the one piece that's missing between Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello as we head into next season. Uh, is that going to be, you know, you mentioned a top priority, but you know, how willing do you think Bill Guerin would be to trade uh, maybe somebody either before or after the expansion draft to assure up the center position. And then uh, I think we need to touch on this uh, Victor Rask a little bit later, but I'll leave that for a second question. Um, um, I don't know the interest that the wild have in him. They may, they may not. Um, I wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot pole. And I'll tell you why um, we we've seen um, these lengthy contracts with now. I don't know his age. He's got to be what? 25, 26, Somewhere in that category. He's number two behind McDavid, so I think he's 25, yes. Okay. He's got, got, what is it, five years left on his deal at 10 mil per? That's correct. Uh, Yeah, no, 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 10. Yeah, 10. Yeah, 10. 10 million for five more years, yeah. Yeah. 10 million. No, no, it's an eight. Is it an eight-year 10 or 10-8? That's what the deal is. And um, Too much math. I think it's 10 years, $8 million. We'll double. We'll we'll double check. Okay, yeah, double I'll check friendly. I'm I'm almost 100 percent sure on that number, and I do not want to. I and, and second of all, or my or on my uh, on my third of all, um, he's got the neck problem, and um, you know, you take the risk of of him getting hurt. You know, we don't know if he's going to have surgery, not have surgery. Um, too many red flags for me. Um, high risk, high reward. I get it, um, but I don't necessarily think that you need a superstar center on this hockey team. It was proven this year that you don't um, say what you will about Victor Rast. Was not great, but guess what? He did what was asked of him, um, and you know that goes for the you know Hartman moving I uh, you know to the middle. He was asked what was you know he did what was asked of him, um, but do they need you know listen? Uh, you know, I was looking at their lineup today, right? And I've got I've got five guys. Do I have one, two, three, uh, three, six guys that right now are question marks for me at coming back next year? And they are Rask, Bugstead, Johansson, Bonino, Greenway, and Parisi. Okay, um, but I've got ten other forwards that will fill, you know, the top three and you know, one on the fourth line because I'm adding Matt Boldy in and I'm adding uh, Marco Rossi into this lineup. And, you know, and then I think they'll, they, they could fill out the rest via trades or free agency. 
just to throw this in here, Nick, uh, Jack Eichel, five years left on his deal, $10 million average annual value. So, and that's coming from uh, cat friendly, I believe, right? Correct. So yep. his no movement clause kicks in uh, after next season. So, correct. okay. And then I, I kind of want to follow up that with Derek, uh, you know, again, Eichel getting the majority of the attention, but Sam Reinhardt also on Buffalo, uh, I think who really led Buffalo uh, with Jack Eichel out being injured as Pat uh, had reminded us here on the show, but um, he's a, an interesting storyline as well, because, you know, as an RFA and um, the post season press conferences, he was very non-committal about returning to the Buffalo Sabres. He might be a good option to maybe fill in that, maybe supposedly Jack Eichel type role and uh, he would cost a lot less money. Um, they can get him for a lot less term. Uh, number one, do you agree with that? And number two, if, if you have Rossi, maybe as your one or number two, would Reinhardt be a good compliment behind or in front of him? Well, I, listen, I don't think Buffalo is going to let him go. I think they'll match whatever, whatever he gets offered. You know, when you have the good a player, you know, listen, everybody at the end of the year is miserable, Right. You didn't make the playoffs. You lost in the first round or whatever. And, you know, you want the season to be done. And you say things that, you know, right now, you know, you're, you're just in that negative attitude. Um, a month later, things may change. They may circle back. Um, they may have uh, a new coach by then. He may like uh, Don Granado if he is the head coach. I mean, there's so much going on, you know, behind the scenes that, um, you know, I, I think Buffalo would match it unless they got a deal they couldn't turn down. And guess what? That would have to include Kevin Fiala, by the way. Derek, your thoughts on, uh, on Sam Reinhardt at all? Uh, I, I think he could be a decent player to have as your top line center. Personally, I would probably ease Marco Rossi into any kind of role, uh, especially after more or less having most of the year off of, from hockey. I mean, he's only now just getting back onto the ice. So I don't think that's a recipe that says, oh, he's for sure going to be there next year. Yes, but I think you got to be really careful with him. I, yeah. I personally, you know, I, I mean, he's just too important to the long-term future of the franchise to, to try to rush him back if he's not physically ready to go or, 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 or healthy. Um, you know, let alone the, the that he ended up kind of missing out on uh, because of his myocarditis. That's, that really kind of throws a wrench into a lot of things, unfortunately. Um, Derek, but as far as what I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Yep. I was, I was going to say that, I mean, I think Reinhardt can play that top role real well. He certainly would be a significant upgrade over what they've had so far. Um you know, I, I, I'm, I guess um, the, the question is, is what, what would it take to get Reinhardt uh, given, you know, what would the offer have to be? And, you know, would it be counterproductive depending on, I guess, what their ask would be? Because I think, I think Buffalo is tired of being, I mean, they've been miserable for a long period of time, just like Pat said, everyone's unhappy, especially, I mean, they they were one of the worst teams in the league and it's really ugly. Our, they want to change things too. And Pagula definitely wants to change things. So what, what's their ask going to be? I mean, they've, they, they, they've wanted this guy to work out. They've wanted, I mean, he's had some success there, but how much are they going to make the wild pay? And, you know, would that, would that, would that stifle us in trying to get a player like that? How, you know, how much do you have to give up? That's my question. And we don't really know that yet. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not, you know, if there, if, if it was a player for a player and it didn't include Fiala, you know, you got to yep. think about it. Do they need a guy like Dumba? No, they don't. They have enough mm -hmm. D and, you know, if you look at their mm -hmm. depth and, and, you know, they, they don't. Um, and do you want to give up a number one for them? Uh, you know, I, quite frankly, I, I, I'm not one to give up. I wouldn't, maybe they will. If they feel that he's the right guy and he's the right guy, for longer than three, four, five years, um, then you then you can do it because he's NHL ready. I get that. Um, Marco Rossi, um, I hear you. Um, I tell you one thing uh, from talking to him um, and knowing his drive. Um, you know, he told me last summer, "I'm going to make this team. Um, 
you know, and that's that's it. Their end of discussion. And I think he was penciled in. Now, yeah, do we have to see how he's doing? Um, yeah. And do I think, you know, with two rookies, because I think Boldy's going to make this team, um, will they? Will the team maybe take a, a little step back before they go back up? That's certainly a possibility. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, I think that, uh, you know, both these guys are going to be in the lineup. Speaking of uh, taking steps back before you up, let's take a step back to the good old year of uh, July 2012. Why don't we? Derek, you're yep. going to get a chuckle out of this one. And I'll start with you, Mr. Felska. Uh, Zach Parisi, number 11 for the Minnesota Wild. Has he played his last game uh, in, a, in a Minnesota Wild sweater? Um, I'm going to say no. I, I think it's going to be really tough to move him. Uh, I think he would entertain it. I think he's unhappy. I think that's pretty well documented, but I think it's going to be really difficult to find a trade partner unless we're going to take at least half the salary. And I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure how many teams are looking for that, especially with a flat cap that just makes it that much more difficult. If the, if the cap was going up, maybe that would open up some possibilities, but with a flat cap, I think it's, I think it's a really, really tough sell. And do you really want to give up additional assets to move him? Yeah. And can you convince him to be a fourth line, you know, grinder kind of more of a bit player on the power play? Is he willing to accept that reduced role, which is going to be tough? Yeah, that's fair. Pat, I, I wanted to follow up kind of in the similar vein, but I also want to know, as we look towards the expansion draft too, of course, Zach Breeze, one of those players with a no movement clause, uh, does he at least waive his no movement clause in the best interest of the Minnesota wild in the upcoming uh, expansion draft? <laughs> well, well, he could do one of two things, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, to answer that question, I think, they will meet um, before that happens, before the list is turned in. And if the meeting goes well, then I think he will. If the meeting doesn't go as well as expected, then I don't think he will, because guess what? He holds the cards. He holds the cards. Um, You know, the bottom line, guys, is... Are, is Zach, you know, I, I read, I, I didn't even watch the press conference because I've watched too many of them. And I, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a game of posturing. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to come back. I, yeah, I, you know, da, da, da. Oh, we like, um, you know, he, you know, showed us, we're not going to do this, blah, 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 blah. But ultimately it's going to come down to them coming to an agreement where the player knows exactly what his role is um, and what the expectations are. And from the player's perspective, can I accept that? Can I be okay with that? Can I still contribute in this? Am I going to be happy? Because if not, then the player loses, the organization loses, the team loses, and you know, you have chaos. So that it, it, you know, there's so many other things that go on again, that we don't even know about. Um, We can speculate, we can think, but we don't really know, you know, what the feelings are. So um, ultimately it's going to come down to the happiness of, in a, in a, in a marriage of, of both parties to, you know, to make it work. If not, you know what the options are you buy them out um you expose them if you know if, if he if he accepts it and seattle takes them or you try to make a deal and you know you're going to have to eat half of it um none of them are are great options but you know what that's why they're in the position that they're in Pat, i want to follow up a little bit on the questions of parisi um i'm sorry derek did you have a comment on that i'm so sorry I was going to just say, are you suggesting marriage counseling between Minnesota Wild and Zach Parisi? <laughs> yeah. Go on, go on a little retreat together and see if they can. Well, Derek, Derek, let me, let me, and you, you guys probably know this too, but 
and, and you, you got to look at it from from the from the player's point of view. And yeah. all right, this guy was an all star. Um, you know, he's you know he's had multiple points. He's been a captain. He's been um, he's done it all. Olympian right? too. Yeah. And you're at the top of the rung, right? And then to be told, well, you're not there anymore. Um, it is very, very hard for a star player to accept the fact that he's not the star player anymore. And it, it and you know, so for for from Zach's perspective, you know, he's thinking, you know, I, I think I still got it. I, you know, and they're telling him, well, maybe you don't. And here's where we think we're gonna use you. And so, you know, Zach has got a reconcile where he's at and you know then then i think you know you'll you'll see progress one way or the other my question is uh nick do you think they have extra room for that marriage counseling for you and i in that session too i think we could use it too right i think i think you guys need it first I'm well available. first first you have to agree to come together so that's step Fair. one <laughs> right uh, but you know it does bring i think pat almost took away my question here because, you know, I think a lot of what the discussion should be about Zach is, you know, especially this year with Dean and, and with, uh, with Bill Guerin is, you know, we're starting to see finally, you know, is, is this more Zach Breezy getting older and the organization, you know, again, he holds a lot of cards and it was, I can imagine, you know, at least from my perspective, tough organizationally to try to bring him down to where he was to the point where he's a healthy scratch. Now we can say about his play all he wants, but that's still, like you mentioned, he's an all, he was an all-star player. He's an Olympian. Uh, he's been there, done that, like you mentioned, Pat. But the, I guess the, my follow-up question to your point is, do, you know, if, as an all-star player, if he's not raised with this franchise, you know, how, I guess, what is, what is the talk like with that? Like maybe his agent. So let's just say, for example, that meeting does not go so well. Um, yeah. with, with Bill Guerin and Parise. And I think, that, you know, it very well could, you know, how does, you know, that conversation then go back to where Zach sits down with his agent and his agent probably is not, I don't know if he echoes it. And obviously I'm not going to speak for, for Zach's agent, but you know, at 37 years old, you know, you're, you're coming to the point where a lot of these decisions have a lot more weight because your playing career is, is definitely on the, uh, you know, chasing the sunset at this point. Yeah, it, it, it's not easy. I, I think uh, if they get to the point where they say, okay, it's not going to work here, um, uh, you know, I think, uh, I, think the, I think the Wild would give the agents the power to try to work out a deal with another team um, because, you know, listen, it, it, it's not easy. Zach would have to uproot his family, and, you know, I, I know it's part of the business, and, but, you know, um, it's, it's not a fun part. Um, so I, I think they would let him try to work out a deal with a team that makes him comfortable, that he'd like to go to, that he has a chance to play and, you know, at a higher level and, uh, and try to work it that way. Uh, you know, I, I think Minnesota would love to avoid the buyout. Um, but, you know, you know, I mean, crazier things that have happened. So, you know, we, we, we're just going to have to watch it and, and, and let it play out. Derek, and I want to follow up with uh, with you on this one, too, because um, I think the the other side of the coin is which which hockey teams and I'm sure there's a few, but, you know, who could use a, a player like Zach, who, you know, even at the age of 37 here, we, we show that he still can be a playoff impact player. He's, he's a guy that, again, when you have that competitive spirit that was Zach has never waned. I mean, that's the one thing about Zach is that he, he never, you know, he never just has mailed it in, uh, you know, who could you see entertaining bringing on board Zach Parisi despite a, a, a lofty cap hit and maybe a, an aging Zach Parisi. Uh, the one team, I guess, that kind of jumps out to me that I think he would be a good fit for would be the New Jersey Devils, where his career started. Shocker. I think, I mean, I know, but, he, but I mean, he's, I think that's a team that could use some veteran presence. They've traded a lot of that away, and they're a very youthful team. And I think for Zach, that might be, you know, a place where he remembers happier times. Um, and maybe that, you know, they're a team that I think that has the space to actually take him, although they would probably, I think they would probably 
asked that uh, the Wild take on some of that salary if they were to have a deal be commenced because at $7.5 million, that's just simp- for the next four years, that's just too much risk uh, for most teams to want to take on a 37-year-old player. But I think I think the Devils would be a good fit for him. Plus, from a from a from a I guess say a, a personal standpoint, you know the East travel is a lot nicer and more pleasant than at least a lot shorter than and less arduous than being in a Western Conference team. I think that also might make it easier for a player that's more in the part of their career. And I think that that's to me the probably the best landing place for him that I can see. Um, you know, for him right now. Yeah. I was just trying to pull up. Uh, I know that we had uh, uh, tweeted a little bit uh, earlier about where Zach Parisi was back in 2012. Cause I think obviously uh, there's no secret. There's buyer's remorse, right. For this Minnesota wild group. As you look back on that contract, I think, Comparatively, when you look at Ryan Suter, Ryan Suter, you know, may not be the player he once was, but he still has he, he's been worth a fair amount of the deal that he signed. I think that's fair to say. Um, but when you look at Zachary's statistics entering 2012, uh, I think any team in the league would have taken a chance on, on him. Just what he brought to the table. I mean, let, let's be real is unfortunate in the prime of his career that he had the back injury for three and a half years that he did that, you know, he really didn't know about. Uh, But my question is this, I mean, I know he scores a big goal in game seven, but you see this Minnesota wild group as Nick alluded to, uh, you know, the playoffs had a different feel, even though it was still a first round exit for this group this year, Um, pushing back against Vegas to seven games, Vegas needing pretty much full force of Max Pacioretty to come back and get the job done. Uh, Derek, I'll I'll kick it right back to you. Was there something different about this Minnesota wild team or did it feel just like another first round exit to you? Uh, no, I thought it, I definitely felt it felt a lot differently than some of the other ones. The to me the the biggest thing that felt different was their ability to dictate physically in the series, especially the big line of of Erickson, Ack, Greenway, and Felino. Uh, we never really have seen a, a Minnesota line that took control physically the way that they did at times, dictating the pace of play. And really, uh, you know, the Wild weren't pushed around. I mean, I think of so many other series when we played the Blues or, or other teams, and I felt like the Wild would almost get ragdolled because they weren't willing to pay the price, and the Wild paid the price this time. And to me, they showed a little more physical res- resilience than what we've seen ultimately in Game 7. Uh, that early injury to Brodine, I think, kind of took a lot of things away from them, and, and it fell apart. But to me, they showed more of, of – they showed more of a playoff brand of hockey than what we had seen in, in the previous years where they looked like they were mostly a pretender. Yeah. I like that answer. It, it honestly was akin to, I think that uh, 2014 run against the Colorado Avalanche in the first round. I thought that was probably the next closest comparison. Pat, same question for you. What were your impressions of this Minnesota wild team? And specifically, I'd like to know your thoughts on uh, number 14 in that center slot for the Minnesota wild in Jewel Erickson Okay, I'll start. I'll, I'll I'll take you back to the playoffs a year ago, and they played the Vancouver Canucks, and they had one guy with speed, one, one guy, and that was Kevin Fiala, and Kevin Fiala tried to do everything by himself, and they were th- uh, very slow through the middle, um, and they were late. They couldn't get their forecheck going. Um, they tried to play a faster game. They saw what Vancouver had and that top line and the speed and the skill. And I think that was the eye opener right there where, well, when, when Bill Guerin said, if we're going to compete against these teams, we've got to get faster. We've got to get more skilled and uh, we got to get deeper. And uh, going into the season, the one area that I think, was pretty evident that they did not address, but you can't address everything in one off season was the center position. I know they had Marco Rossi slotted in when they drafted him to be one of those centers that, and then you saw what happened. So that kind of, you know, changed things up a little bit. They had to move Hartman there, moving guys around, you know, remember Bukestead was there, but the bottom line is, they were a faster team. They were a more, a more skilled team than they were in the past. 
and I think it was a um, transition year and, and ter- because they're not done. You know, I, I, uh, like I told you, I looked at their roster today and, you know, I count nine guys up front that are in and, you know, there are three holes to fill in my opinion. Um, and whether they get there, you know, we'll see um, as far as uh, Erickson Eck, right. Um, phenomenal year phenomenal year but what is he on a championship team he is a third line center okay in my opinion and so you have a line and you know picture in your head guys uh, a winning championship team and a third line of erickson eck felino and i'm gonna just throw it out there a ryan hartman back Mm -hmm. on the right side then you got grit you got a little skill you got some you know fu in you and uh, and you don't take a back seat. You don't get pushed around. And you have the ability as a third line to 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 score some goals, not be counted on to score goals, but to score goals. So I think that is what they're thinking. Um, but you know, I we'll, we'll just have to see. You know how this all plays. Pat, I'm just kind of confused why you didn't put yourself on that third line. I figured you were going to be slotted in next year. What's the story? Well, here's the reason why I didn't put myself on that third line, because I have two new hips, a new knee, uh, a new kidney. And, uh, you know, uh, my skates are so far up that you couldn't reach them with, you know, I mean, forget it. They're, yeah. far, they're farther away than Jack Eichel is to you right now. Let's just put it Exactly. That Thank you. <laughs> We don't have the cap space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, that's right. And by the way, is, is my, you have my address? No. No, I don't. Speaking of cap space, um, Derek, I'm going to throw this question to you. This is, I think, you know, where the discussion of Victor Rask comes into play. Now, with Pat saying it, I think, very, very well, Victor Rask, for those who wanted – I think the expectations for a lot of fans who whine about him constantly, and I'll use the word whine because it is what it is. Uh, we're very unrealistic in my, in my personal opinion uh, for a guy that was a healthy scratch, pretty much all last season coming in and doing what he did. Uh, I thought he was very serviceable for the Minnesota wild. Now, with that being said, you do have three big contracts you have to sign and every dollar is going to be important. Now, Victor Rask, when you buy him out, now you're only on the hook for maybe two years at a cap. You do save a, a, about two, two and a half million in cap. Um, is he a buyout candidate, Derek? Or could you see the wild hanging on to him for one more year? Um, what's your thoughts with uh, Victor Rask? I, I got I to gotta well, jump in here. I love the, the giant sigh before that question. I can just, I feel the Victor Rask animosity and I'm excited. So go ahead, Derek. Yeah, I, I get to counter. <laughs> I actually don't have any Victor Rask animosity. None. I really yeah. don't. Um, I thought he had a good season. Um, personally, uh, to me, the, the thing that it depends on is if you can get other centers. If you can't, you might as well keep him for a season uh, and use him again, uh, especially kind of as Pat alluded to, if this is another trans, you know, like a transition year, uh, why not just keep him here, let him, play his way out and not have to pay it for two more years. You know, to me, you want to clear out as much. You want the cap, you want the cap to be cleared altogether. You don't want to add extra obligations down the road because that might compromise your ability to, to hold on to some of these people that you want to. And, and to me, I'd rather just ride it out for one more season and, and maybe he'll surprise you again with some, you know, newer, younger line mates. I don't know. All right. Here's the deal, guys. Here's here, here's my two cents. First of all, I get labeled the Victor Rask apologist, which is completely untrue. Secondly, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Who did Victor Rask get traded for? Nino Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter. Thank you. How popular was Nino Niederreiter? Not very good for a guy who really drove possession on wait, the wait, third line no. very well. How popular, <laughs> how popular was Nino was Niederreiter? It was a very likable. Yeah. Yes. Very much so. Right. Yeah. So Victor Rask comes in. First of all, when the deal was made, Nino Niederreiter with this regime was going to be a fourth liner because you had three guys in front of him. He had Zucker, Parisi, and I'm, um, I don't know, whatever you could look it up, but he's going to be a fourth liner. 
They tried him on the second line, on the right side. Didn't work. They tried him on the first line. Didn't work. They deal him. They save a million dollars. Now, they get an injured Victor Rask when he comes to town. He's out. He looks like he, he couldn't skate with the Bantams. And he, you know, to this day, he's not a great skater, right? Yeah. Next year, he's under, uh, plays under Boudreaux. Healthy scratch, fourth line, blah, 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 right? So what I think is that a lot of people had the Victor Rask syndrome is what I call it, okay? No matter what he does, get, get rid of him. Now, is he um, a superstar? No. Um, did he do his job with the, with the line mates that he had? I, I, I think he did, you know? Um, was he, and when you play with guys who put up points or goals or, you know, you may not get a lot because they are, they are. And so, um, you know, I think he gets a lot of, uh, heckling and a lot of abuse because of everything I just laid out. Now, is he, is he a fixture going forward? Probably not. You know, um, is he tradable to another team? Guess what? I bet you another team would take a flyer on him. You know, there's a team like Arizona. There's a team like, hey, do we need a guy that can, you know, uh, you know, kill some minutes, who's a smart player, not the greatest skater, but you know what? Pretty smart player. Yeah, someone might take it. Um, if not, maybe they do buy him out after they see what they have. But, you know, it's – it's. Uh, I, I think he was just kind of unjustly accused or, you know, whatever of, uh, of the player that he is. That's my two cents. I like that analysis. Pat. You can, you can, you can disagree. I, no, you know, I, I, I'm actually, we're, we're, we're in agreement with you, Pat. In fact, those who listen to the show and know that uh, Nick and I, but probably myself, especially I I'm a Victor Rask lover. I think he does a lot of things, little things, especially in the defensive zone as a centerman, you know, being the high guy, being responsible, making the simple play that a lot of, a lot of people don't see because it doesn't end up on a stat sheet, right. You know, yeah. alle alleviating pressure. So I definitely agree. I've got two questions left. Uh, Nick, I don't know how many you've got, but my last Minnesota Wild question here, uh, we had some additions, as we knew, in the last offseason. Nick Benino, uh, Nick Bukestad, uh, Ian Cole, of course, traded for Greg Patern, uh, Marcus Johansson, who I don't think has a chance in heck of coming back in a wild sweater, but who knows. Uh, out of those four guys, is there one or two of those guys that you feel the Wild should take a stab at or feel like they should bring back here? Uh, whoever wants to start, go ahead. Well, to me, it all comes down to money. Um, you know, they will be the last to get talked to um, about coming back. Um, you know, it, it, it just, they got, you know, you know, their priorities, Fiala, Ek and, and Kaprizov. Um, and then what do they do with the rest of them? Right. Are they going to make a deal? How much money do they have left? Would they love to bring Benino back as your fourth line guy? Absolutely. But do you want to pay that guy, you know, four point whatever million dollars, or do you want to bring back Nick, Nick Bukestad for under a million? Um, you know, that may be, they may be forced into that, you know, uh, for me, I like Marcus Johansson, but I didn't see enough of him because he was hurt and he had COVID. And um, what I do know is that um, he provides something that they need. He's a smart player. He's a possession type guy player. And he's in he, he's a great, um, he passes a puck as well as anybody on the team. Now, you know, what's that worth, right? What is that worth? What do they have coming in? So um, it may be iffy to bring him back, but it all depends, right? On, 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 on if they make any deals or, um, you know, who they, who, they, who they have slotted. I'm a big, where is a guy slotted guy, okay? Where does he fit on this team? And, um, and that's what they're going to have to determine. 
Derek, same thing for you. I uh, again, I, I'm I'm kind of in the camp where I, I think if you can get Nick Benito and Nick Bukestad uh, for a reasonable team friendly deal, those are my two picks. I like Nick Bukestad in the corners. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I think he's a good role guy. If you put him in a bottom six, uh, a good you know he's unbeatable in the corners. Nick Benino, like Pat mentioned, a good bottom six guy. The question mark is price. I uh, I see you kind of disagreeing with me. We all know how much you love Ian Cole. So what do you got here? Who comes back? Actually, Ian Cole's the guy I'd keep. Um, <laughs> the Nick, when you're talking about his playing corners. I, I don't know. He's a bigger guy, and for a bigger guy, he seems to get manhandled a lot. And I don't. I've never understood that. He kind of reminds me of. This is an old wild name, but Mark Chenard, another six foot five guy who seemed to be pushed around a lot. I don't know. I I guess for myself, kind of maybe going with what Pat said. I think that they need more speed and in those bottom six lines, I, I would like to see them try some younger players, at least, you know, even if there's, you know, younger energy guys, like, like a Brandon Duhame or somebody like that from Iowa and, 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 and just let him go and fly on the four check. Um, I thought at times that Benino and some of those guys lacked some speed where, you know, you saw a little bit faster groups when we were playing against teams like Vegas um, I guess for myself, Cole's the only one that I'm particularly interested in retaining and the rest. I, I wouldn't really lose sleep over losing. That's just my two cents. Here's my deal on, on Ian Cole. Great guy, great interview, great team guy, great cup cred. Um, love to have him back. Right. It, but here's my wish list. I think they need to get a horse back on D now. And I'm, and I mean a Joel Edmondson type, a guy that if you're going to come in front of our net, you're going to pay a price. If you're going to come in the corner, you're going to pay a price because when he, you know, listen, you know, during during the regular season, you know, guys don't finish checks all the time. In the playoffs, you guys watching it, every time you touch the puck, you get hit. Every time you try to, you know, uh, get, you know, get a pass through a passing lane, it's filled. It's a completely different animal. And, um, and you know, if you're going to make a long run and you expect Brodeen, Spurgeon, Suter, even though Suter's as strong as an ox, but you don't want him getting hit all the time either. Um, you know, Dumba, if he's around, you know, who knows? A Kalen Addison, not the biggest guy. Um you know, you, you need a horse back there or two. Maybe they can keep Cole. You know, um, I, I, I think it's all going to depend on what they end up doing with Matt Dumba or do they lose Carson Soucy? You know, we don't know. Um, so, and then ultimately, you know, it, 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 it it's going to come down to what they have, you know, financially, what they have left. You know, they may want Benino. They may not be able to afford Benino. They may want coal. They may not be able to afford coal. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think the dominoes will fall after those top three are signed. I got one last question here for you guys. And again, Pat and Derek, this has been phenomenally fun. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, I think, you know, let's, let's do the what uh, some other networks call us as the way too early predictions fun game. Um, with your roster in your head or written down in somewhere, for the Minnesota Wild next season, is it possible this team gets past the first round? Or more so, where do you see this team at this time next year? Derek, I'll start with you. Well, uh, as one of the people that predicted the Wild would not make the playoffs this year, so you maybe shouldn't listen to me. Um, I would say that I think they're going to make the playoffs again. Whether they get – I'm not – still sold yet on whether they'll make it out of the first round uh to me it's all what they do with the center if if, the, if that's still a question mark then i think it's rinse and repeat if they don't get anything and it stays the same i think it might be a tougher road to get even to the playoffs that's just my opinion and for you pat how does the wild avoid the toronto maple leaf syndrome well here, here's the deal i i i think um because I think you're going to see two young guys in the, in the lineup. I, you know, 
I, I will go as close to say I, I, I would guarantee it um, that you're going to see Boldy and Rossi in. Um, people are going to have to be patient out of the gate. However, however, with um, the attitude and the culture that has been created and the accountability and the, um, the, the care for one another on that team, I think they'll get through it. I think they'll have an easier time in the first round next year compared to this year, because in essence, they were playing a second round uh, opponent in the first round this year. There's no way they're going to uh, very, very, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not going to face a team like Vegas in the first round. Okay. And so, um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, I think the attitude has changed that, that they will. Yeah, it's very interesting to think about, Derek. The last time we had you on, I actually have it written down in a note card. You and Nick both picked the Minnesota Wild to finish fifth in the division this year, and I picked them to finish sixth. So I uh, definitely exceeded expectations God, you this guys year. Are negative. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never been accused of that before. I'm Amazing. Kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm, neg I, I'm negative Nick, so I mean, at least it rolls off my tongue. Jeez. <laughs> I, I was just worried when they mentioned about getting rid of Bukestad. I figured you'd have some qualms since he was a former gopher there, Pat. That's where I was worried about. Uh, uh, I, I, listen, I, it doesn't matter to me who are the players, what team he <laughs> plays on. If he can play, hallelujah. Well, speaking of playing in college teams, my final question for you actually does involve uh, this logo to my uh, to yes. my right shoulder here. The St. Cloud State Huskies finishing runner-up in the national championship game to UMass this year. Uh, you got a chance, uh, as uh, even more so than we did, to be privileged to cover this group again this year. Uh, an incredible run. Uh, what overall can you take from the St. Cloud State men's hockey season this year? And what are you looking forward to next year as they're retaining the bulk of their bodies coming back? Well, I think they have the best, one of the best coaches in college hockey and, and a staff along with it. I think Dave Shack did a terrific job along with Nick Oliver. Um, what, you know, what I, what I really, really um, have seen um, in the last couple of years is, a, is just a team that is together. And uh, listen, if you'd asked me before the beginning of the year, if this team, the team that they put on the ice last year was, uh, was going to make it, what uh, was going to get home ice, you know, they did uh, technically, if you want to call it that um, I would have said, no. Um, did I, would I have thought that they would have made it to the NCAAs? My answer would have been no. And uh, I tell you what um, they, they, they surprised uh, me and what they have coming back this year is going to be really fun really fun. Um, the thing I worry about going into the year, and I'm going to talk to Brett about this and he probably already knows it is, um, is you can't be complacent. You can't say, okay, it's just going to fall in our lap because not only do they have to work harder than they did last year, um, there, there's going to be a target on their back because they made it to the last game of the year and everybody wants to make it to the last game of the year. So, um, it's not going to be easy, but I think they will have the team um, to have the ability to get right back where they were a year ago. Should be exciting, Pat. I definitely agree. Derek, my last question for you, and feel free to comment on the Huskies run as well, but I really want to ask your question and move a little bit more towards your area of expertise that a lot of people that you follow that I think goes into the radar. That's the Iowa wild. You keep up uh, uh, pretty heavily on them. Uh, how have the Iowa, Iowa wild been shaping up in the past couple of years underneath Tim army? And what can we expect? Maybe, as you mentioned, maybe some young guys that are poised to be those bubble players making a crack at an NHL roster next year. Well, first of all, you should talk to Pat. Pat, <laughs> Pat talks in person. Um, I mostly watch through like video and, and listen to a lot of their games. Uh, the thing I'll say is that anything, any team that's coached by Tim Army is going to be a hardworking squad that oh. most nights is going to outwork anybody. Um, and the last few Iowa teams have really embodied that approach. Uh, they're a hardworking team. They, they come at you. They're really relentless. And uh, you know, the, the thing that I guess that really kind of, you know, the, the, the worst part about it, if there's a worst, is the fact that we'll never know where they could have gone the last two seasons. Uh, they, they were having their best season ever in franchise history, 
and then the pandemic just cold, just like that. I mean, they had the goaltender of the year, the defenseman of the year, uh, the MVP of the league on one team, and they never got a chance to do anything in the postseason because of the pandemic. Um, and then last year, uh, this year, they had a, they were starting to come around. They were starting to kind of uh, definitely pick up the pace uh, as some of those college free agents started to make their way to Iowa. Um, they started to have more success. And unfortunately, again, there was no postseason for them. And uh, that's a real shame for the Iowa fans who had to endure, I think, almost five or six seasons of pretty rough hockey. Uh, where they weren't winning a whole heck of a lot, but there's there there definitely is a development path that I think has been really positive with uh, Tim Army's teams, and uh, it's become a real strength for the organization as a whole. Yeah, and and, and you know I'll just I'll, I'll add this, you know what what was lacking in that organization for years, um, typically when when you're playing in the minors well not typically but the way it used to be and and probably still is with a lot of teams now guys go down there and they're there for themselves how do i get to the next level me me just me not you not my line mate no me and what he has instilled is they're there they're playing for the Iowa Wild they they are playing for the Iowa Wild to win for the Iowa Wild. And um, within that, you know what? Someone might get called up, whatever the case may be. But their their thought process is that team, not the big team, not getting called up. Um, and and uh, he's instilled that uh, that culture down there. And it's, it you know, I mean, you've watched him play. Um they're a different, different organization down there now. And, and Tim is terrific. I mean, he's, he's really, he's really, really good. My in- I introduction. Like to, like oh, to, go ahead, Derek. I'm just going to have one last thing. The other big transition from last season to this season is the fact that the, the wild, the, the younger players, meaning the, the prospect like players took a much bigger role this season than they did last year. Last yeah. year, they were still predominantly, you know, led by, I guess, if for lack of a better term, the ringers, the, the, the journeymen, like, like uh, Jerry Maryhew and whatnot, uh, Kyle Rowe and whatnot. Um, this year, you know, it was Connor Dewar and Kalen Addison, more of the prospect types that were taking on the kind of the carrying the, the scoring workload. So that was definitely a transition because some of those, those other players were playing on the taxi squad. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. Mr. Max, and I think this is your cue, my friend. I think it is. Uh, just a couple of quick notes. Uh, my first introduction to Tim Arney was when he was on the same bench as Patrick Waugh with the Colorado Avalanche back in right. 2015. And uh, I've always wondered who that guy was. And sure enough, that was leading the Iowa Wild. And for Pat, for you and me, um, with this St. Clair State roster, I hope we get to do another game. Uh, I hope with so, That would be super fun because, uh, yeah, that was a really fun call in uh, Duluth with you. And, uh, again, I think this team is going to be – yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I really do think that this team is poised to make another crack at uh, the final couple of games of the season this year. But from here us at the Huskies Romero's podcast for our Minnesota Wild Talk here in episode 64, Derek Felska, Pat Micheletti, boys, thanks again for joining us. We'll have to do this again soon. Gentlemen, have a great night. Thank you. You too. Had fun. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Just a great discussion, Nick. I mean, it was just awesome to sit down with these two guys and hear what they had to say. Uh, I wanted to catch up with Derek a little bit afterwards as well, of course, uh, getting back from his world uh, coaching tennis, of all things. Uh, He's a pretty good little uh, tennis aficionado, if you will. And, of course, Pat Micheletti uh, getting ready for a radio interview after radio interview. I can't imagine what his expansion draft uh, you know, schedule is going to look like in the coming weeks. But, uh, Nick, we do have some exciting things on the docket. Uh, of course, episode number 65 coming out. Do you remember who our team that we're going to have coming up this week is? Do you happen to remember? I'm trying to remember. Do we have Omaha? Picture? We do. We do have yes. Omaha. We got, as uh, Caleb Peabody and J-Mac would say, the Omaha homies. Uh, we're going to be talking yes. about <laughs> we're going to be talking <laughs> about talking about them as well. So, uh, Nick, what day? Can we find episode number 65 where we preview the Omaha Mavericks? 
So we'll be obviously recording this Sunday and then episode releasing uh, later that day, if not Monday morning. So coming up here pretty soon. Um, and again, the Red Army, again, coming to the fold. Who had a, a really, actually, I think a, a big stepping stone year for them. No one. Yeah. Obviously, we'll break it down in more detail, but a team I think that both of us would say is on the rise in the NCHC uh, with some, uh, some, uh, some talent as well as a great coach behind the bench. Yeah, it'll be a great discussion. You won't want to miss it, of course. Trivia as well every Saturday at noon. Be the first to answer on our Twitter page for a chance to get on that leaderboard. Caleb Pod, Caleb, Caleb Pod, Caleb Peabody and Tinner Heath tied at two for that lead on the leaderboard. Everyone else, as we like to say, at one who has gotten a win correct. But that will do it for episode number 64 of the Healthy Scratch interview segment. And we will see you next week. Timer come in, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perks! No, Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL! Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.